this morning I want to speak to you, um, among some other subjects, but about covetousness. Covetousness. Does everybody know what covetousness is? Does anybody know? Oh, okay, there's a few. All right. Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, this know also that in the last days, perilous times, difficult times, really stressful times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, holding or desiring more, eager or greedy of gain is what that means. He says, this is going to be one of the signs of the last days, covetousness. And people love their, their self, they, they love their own ways, and they want to hold on to those and so forth. But Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27 says, he that is greedy of gain troubles his own house. So this is not something we want to embrace, this covetousness, because it's going to impact our home life. It's going to impact our family if we are covetous for the things of this earth. In Proverbs 28 and verse 16, he that hates covetousness shall prolong his days. Do you want to live a long life? Get covetousness out of your life if it's a problem because it will shorten our lives. It's so important that we let God deal with us and change us so that we can have a long life to serve the Lord and to do His will. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, <clears throat> nor covetous man who is an idolater, God says people that give themselves to covetousness are idolaters as well, that has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So if this is a problem in our life in any measure, it's going to keep us from entering the kingdom of God. I want to be in His kingdom, don't you? I want to be in the kingdom of God forever and ever and forever. And... I don't want any of this thing in my heart or in my life. And maybe we don't recognize what is in our heart, but we need to be very careful and ask the Lord to reveal what is in our heart. Now, Solomon was an interesting man. Solomon set his love upon the things of this earth and found no lasting satisfaction in all of it. 
He gave himself to everything that was available for money, for wealth. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4 through 11, Solomon declares this. He says, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them, all of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that brings forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings. That's an interesting term, peculiar treasure of kings. I wonder what that was. I don't know, but I don't want to find out. I don't want to get it. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that all and that of all sorts. So I was great and I increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. Whatever I wanted, I had, is what he's saying. <clears throat> For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity. It was worthless and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun in all those things that Solomon gave himself to pursue. There was no benefit. There was no good in it. And what a statement that man makes. But it's a lesson for us. We want to be very careful about what we involve our time on this earth, what we involve it in. What are, what are we pursuing? What are we after? What do we want? Do we try to get what the world's after? Do we try to pursue the things that the world loves and, and make those our goal? I dare say no. No. Now, in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, verse 22, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of the world 
and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So this scripture, Jesus is making it clear what will happen to us if we pursue the deceitfulness of riches, the riches of this life. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have any money. I have a little bit in my wallet right now, but it's never very much. But to make riches a goal in our life is empty, it's foolishness, and God wants to spare us. He wants to save us from that kind of a thing. Because to pursue God and God's choices for us while we're on this earth is an eternal of eternal value. And God wants us to make our pursuit not the things of this earth, because they're going to pass away. And God wants us to invest our time in those things which are of eternal value. And no matter what God's called us to, God wants us to invest our lives in serving Him and doing things his way. Now, Paul says here that this deceitfulness of riches will choke the word and will become unfruitful. We'll have no fruit. Now, what does this pursuit do to us? Well, it gives us a false sense of prominence and security many times. We feel like, you know, I've got money. I'm really something. I'm greater than people that don't have money. Well, that's, that's not true necessarily. And it's, it's a foolish thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Now, the problem with riches is you can't count on them. You never know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in the United States, do you? Things have changed a little bit compared to what we've been accustomed to, haven't they? And I see the possibility that they're going to change dramatically more than they have already. So God wants us to be very careful that we don't trust in uncertain riches that we don't labor to be rich because there's no eternal value in it. 
unless we are completely dedicated to God's purposes. There's also a false sense of power with riches. In Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. Riches can fly. And they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. You know, I walk out in my yard every once in a while and, and watch the eagles fly around here. And they really move. I mean, <laughs> they are fast birds. And God says that riches can make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Also, there's a false sense of friends. Proverbs 19 verse 4 says, Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Now, my wife and I were invited to a wedding of a family member of some sort, and uh, there was a man that was known to have great wealth who was there at the wedding. And he attracted a crowd. People wanted to meet him and talk to him because he had money. I wasn't interested in his money. And it's, it's interesting, though, how that money that this man supposedly had, I don't know if he had it or not, but uh, he's supposed to have all this money and people were so attracted by it. But there was no reason for them to respond because they didn't get any of it anyway. It was foolishness. And God wants us to be very, very careful because riches, money, can do crazy things to us that will take us away from the, the purpose that God has for us for all of eternity. Another problem that comes is a false sense of approval. Many times, those who have a lot of money feel they're approved because they have money. Well, that's not really true. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 5, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself, God says. It's very, very important that we don't get caught up in feeling that money makes us approved of God because 
it, it can be a, a major detour. It can be that which can take us away from the things of God and those things that are of eternal value. God wants us to be very, very cautious. In Psalm 16 and verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you want real pleasure? It's at God's right hand. That's where God wants us to set our pursuit. In Psalm 36 in verse 7 and 8, How excellent is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house, and you shall make them drink the river of your pleasures. See, God is showing that he has what anyone that loves him should want. And God doesn't want us to get caught up in what the world values because it won't last. It, first of all, it won't satisfy. It won't satisfy. But if we pursue it, it's not going to last. It has a very short-term life. And God wants us to understand and make a choice to run after Him with our whole heart. He is worthy. He is worthy. And He's worth everything that this world could ever offer and much more besides. In Luke chapter 18, Verse 18 through 23, there was a, a rich young ruler and a certain ruler asked him saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why do you call me good? None is good save one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these, he said unto him, yet you lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute unto the poor and you shall have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. And when this man heard this from Jesus, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Those riches, see, took his heart away from God. He, he was interested in what Jesus was saying, what he was offering, but the riches 
controlled his life. And he couldn't pursue what Jesus was offering to him. So riches can be very, very dangerous. They can take our heart away from that which is eternal, that which lasts forever and ever is given to us by pursuing the Lord with our whole heart and forsaking those things that are not of eternal value. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 10, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel, marrow to your bones. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. See, God wants us, God wants us to have those things that are eternal and not embrace those things that are of this life, which turn our heart away from the precious things of God. <clears throat> now in Luke chapter 15, there's a young man, and in Luke 15, verse 13 through 15, it says, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent into his fields, he was sent into his fields to feed swine. Well, I can't think of a more pleasant job than to feed swine. Can you? Well, he thought he was having a great life. He was looking for wealth and so forth. But... Proverbs 20 and verse 21 says, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. It'll not be blessed. So God doesn't want us to pursue the things of this world that, you know, makes us wealthy and makes us uh, prominent in the eyes of other people. All those things are worthless for us for eternal purposes. Now, how we handle money is going to show several things about us. And the Holy Spirit wants to deal with our attitudes toward money and our management of our affairs. 
First of all, how we manage money is going to show whether we believe, love, and trust God. It's also going to show where our desires and priorities are, the way we handle money. Many people look to money to fulfill areas of their lives that only God can fulfill. <clears throat> they think money's going to satisfy them, but it doesn't. Money, people look for money and they measure how committed to the Lord and disciplined they are. But it's not in that. It, it's, it won't satisfy us. It won't fulfill us. It won't count in our life. The way we handle money reveals one aspect of faithfulness. In, in Luke 16 and verse 11, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, we're, we're talking about mammon here, that's money and wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches? God wants us to see what is really valuable. <clears throat> what is really valuable. Now, I have a few paper pieces of money. That's all they are, they're paper. They're paper. And depending on what number is printed on them determines their value. God wants us to be very careful how we handle the wealth of this world. And other people collect other things and, and you know, feel great, feel satisfied because they have various means of wealth. But all of it will not satisfy. A family in our church back in Michigan many years ago came to me with a desire to clear an old debt that they had. It had been a school bill of the husband who had uh, gone for college training. And counsel was given to them. They, they wanted to get free from that, and they asked how to do it. Well, I have a little experience, not in paying debts, but in handling money. And counsel was given, and they began to remove the debt. They came to the place that they had the means to pay off all of his college debt that they owed. However, the wife refused because they wouldn't have any money in the bank. Now, money in the bank is worth more than money in your pocket. Is it? Well, theirs wasn't. 
And she said if they didn't have money in the bank, she would feel insecure. Well, security doesn't come by having money in the bank. How many of you know that's true? It, it's not in that. That won't satisfy us. These people left the church, our church, because I suggested that they should pay off that debt, get, get rid of it for once and for all, and they'd be free. But she made such a big thing of it that she caused the whole family to leave the church and go somewhere else. God wants us to be very careful. Very careful. Now, God's purpose for money, part of it is to help to provide for our needs. Now, I'm not saying we don't need money. We, we need some money. Sometimes we don't need as much as we'd like to have. But we do need it. I like to eat. I don't want to eat too much. But I like to eat, and it costs money to eat. And um, God wants to provide for us. In Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lord, give me food that's easy to digest. Won't make me too heavy so that I'm carrying around a bunch that I don't need to carry. And he says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. You know, God doesn't want us to go to any extreme. And he wants us to have what we need, what we truly need. We want to have freedom that we can spread the gospel and teach all nations. Amen? We want, God wants everyone here to have a part in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of the earth. And, and Zion Fellowship has connections all over the world to preach the gospel and to feed people with the word of God that gives eternal life. God wants us to be able to minister to the needs of those who are without provision, such as true widows and the fatherless. They deserve an investment. And God wants us to be mindful of them and help them out if they need it. Now, we don't just go hand out money on the streets to everyone that says they'd like to have it. <clears throat> now, God wants us 
to avoid debt. God wants us to avoid debt. Now, debt is very popular in the United States, isn't it? It's very popular to have debt. But there's some real problems with it. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 6, For the Lord thy God blesses you as he promised you, and you shall lend unto many nations, but shall not borrow. And you shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Now, this is getting kind of tough, isn't it? Not have any debt? Is that godly? Is it? Well, if Deuteronomy is still valid, God says that you shall not borrow and you shall reign over many nations and they shall not reign over you. What a promise. In Deuteronomy 28, in verse 8 through 13, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And the Lord shall establish you as a holy people unto himself as he has sworn to you. You shall keep the commandments of the Lord God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. See, right now it's not real popular in some places to let people know you're a Christian. You ever felt uneasy sometime in letting a group of people you're with to know that you're a Christian and you serve God and do things His way? Well, there's times when that's not very fun. But all in all, it, it's going to count a lot. Verse 10, And all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods and in the fruit of your body and in the fruit of the cattle and the fruit of the ground and in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give you. And the Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. That's, that's quite an amazing statement, isn't it? God says you should be the lender, not the borrower. And the Lord shall make your head, it make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and you shall not be beneath if that you hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. So God wants us to get this picture 
well established in our mind and in our heart that we don't live for money. Now, we need money, we need some, but we don't need as much as a lot of people want. Proverbs 22 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And, you know, we don't want to be poor. We don't want to be such that we're under the guidance of somebody who's wealthy. God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to have what we need to be a testimony to him and to others. Now, let's look at borrowing just a few minutes. I've got six minutes and six seconds. Borrowing always brings a person into certain bondage and limitation. One becomes bound by the lender. God doesn't recommend that we borrow money. Did you know that was in the scripture? How many knew that was in the scripture? Oh, good. Wonderful. If you're tempted to buy with credit, calculate the complete cost of the item, including the interest for a total price. Both husband and wife should wait on the Lord at least overnight to be certain that you have the peace of God or a word from the Lord to borrow. Borrowing is not godly wisdom. And God wants us to learn his ways and put our trust in him. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13, not that I speak in respect of want, but Paul says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever your situation is, God says, learn to be content there. Learn to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Have you been instructed how to be hungry? Paul said he had learned how to do that. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And... God wants to work in us. I don't know if you've heard a lot of messages like this, and if you have, it's probably pretty boring. But if you haven't heard messages like this, I recommend that you meditate on what we're talking about here because it's the Word of God. It's the Holy Scriptures that I've been quoting here. And God wants us to take very seriously what he says. The world is changing. There's no question about it, is there? Things are changing, even in the United States. 
And it's becoming a strange place to us in some ways. But God wants to meet with His people. God wants us to be assured from Him that we can have enough of what we really need. That God has ways and means of taking care of us that maybe we've never experienced before. And He wants us to experience some of those ways. And He will use it for our benefit, for our good. I want to encourage you with the Word of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word. Lord, You don't say these things for no reason. They're very important. And Lord, You want us to know that we can trust You in everything. I pray, Lord, that if there's any whose hearts have been taken by the wealth of this world, that, Lord, they'll lay that down and pursue your ways. Put their trust in you. And, Lord, see how faithful you are to care for them and their family. We thank you, Lord. You're, you're wonderful. Your ways are perfect and right. We delight in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.